Yankees. Amen. Praise the Lord. I want to dismiss our kids, uh, grades one through five, uh, to kids' church today. And uh, I want you to have a wonderful time this morning in our kids' church, uh, Lighthouse Kids. Amen. I want to remind you, as Sister Sarah did earlier, don't forget Wednesday night will be Christmas caroling in several nursing homes. And, uh, you know, can I just, Helen, don't answer this, but can I be honest? Don't tell me you want to go do stuff and then don't come when we do stuff. Was that rude? Okay, good. Let me try it again then. No. No, seriously, we, we talk about how we'd love to go minister to people that can't get here. This is your chance. 5.30, we're going to have hot chocolate. We're going to go out. We're going to go sing. We're going to, and I'm, I promise you, it will brighten their hearts. It will, it will brighten our hearts. And so I want you to be here and be a part of this, this coming Wednesday night at 5.30. I am uh, excited about this morning. I'm excited about tonight. I want to tell you right now, don't, be, don't miss tonight. Tonight, I'm going to be preaching a sermon entitled, His Word. No, I changed the title back up. Believing in His Word is, is what, I was going to call it, His Word Changes Everything. Uh, but, but as I laid out the, the outline, the title changed. And so it's Believing His Word. And I want you to be here tonight. God is going to be doing something great. But today, I am excited today, if I can get here. I am excited today to be starting a series that has uh, got me fired up. Uh, I, I can't tell you exactly what day that this came to my mind. Uh, what day that, that I decided that this is what I wanted to preach uh, this month. But I'm going to preach today on the Christmas hat. Now that might explain my, there's a button here somewhere. That might explain my Christmas hat this morning. I know when you came in today and you saw me wearing this hat, what scared me and made me nervous the most is most people didn't bat an eye. Oh, pastor's wearing a Christmas hat. Like, that's not weird or strange or different at all because I'm weird and strange and different. And so nothing surprises anybody anymore. But I want to talk for a few minutes today about the Christmas hat. But I'm starting a series, and next week, next Sunday morning, you're not going to want to miss because I'm going to be preaching on the Christmas shoes. And, and, and we're going to be talking about Christmas shoes. And then on Sunday the 22nd, the Sunday before Christmas, I am going to shock everyone. Because that Sunday, I and by the way, next week I will have some Christmas shoes on. Stand by for that. Um, but on the 22nd, I'm going to put everybody into a tizzy because I'm going to come to work, church, work, church, church work, wearing a Christmas tie. I'm going to wear a tie to church. Now, some of y'all, some of y'all don't know if that's even possible, but I'm going to, now, it may or may not have some bling to it, but, but I'm going to wear a tie. And uh, and I'm going to be preaching on the 22nd about the Christmas tie. 
Now, Pastor, what in the world are you talking about? We are going to spend this month looking at who Christ is. We're going to be looking through these Christmas uh, wardrobe ideas, the Christmas hat, the Christmas shoes, and the Christmas tie, and we're going to be able to see who Christ is. My desire is that from this, that all season this year, every time you see a Christmas hat, you're going to think about this sermon this morning. Every time you hear the song or hear about Christmas shoes, you're going to think about my sermon next week. Every time you see a Christmas tie, you're going to think about who Christ is. Can I tell you something? Christmas, now this is going to, sh- it's going to shock some of your world here. Christmas is not about Santa Claus. I, I mean, I-, I wish Christmas was about a big fat man wearing a red hat. I am a big fat man wearing a red hat, but that's not what Christmas is about. I'm going to tell you, Christmas is not about getting the gift you want. Oh, it's about gifts, but it's not about what you think it is. It's not about that person that, you know, your wife of 26 plus years who loves you so much that she's going to buy you a new scope for your 3030. Hint, 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 hint. Are your kids who love you so much they're going to buy you a new crossbow so you can go deer hunting? Boys, watch the video. I'm giving you hints. It's not about getting those things. It's about Christmas is not what we've made it. We have forgotten the original declaration of Christmas was about one person. It wasn't Santa Claus or an elf. It wasn't about good food. It wasn't about family. It wasn't about trying to make it through a meal without having a family feud. It wasn't about what gifts we get, what gifts we give. But it was about Jesus Christ. Born and laid in a manger. I want you to open your Bibles with me this morning. Amen. Luke chapter 2. Going to begin reading in verse number 10. Luke chapter 2, verse 10. Wait, I got it in here. I got a Bible. Luke chapter 2, verse 10. Read from the New Living Translation says this. But the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. Now pay attention to verse 11. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem in the city of David. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you right now. We thank you for your power. We thank you for your anointing. We thank you for your peace, your mercy, and your grace. And, Lord, I know that you have given me 
a message to share with your people. Lord, you have given me a sermon, Lord, and I I want you to allow me to take this beyond what I know, beyond what I'm capable of, Lord Jesus, and allow me to move in victory and move in power, understanding your word, understanding your strength, and understanding your life. Lord, we thank you and we praise you that you allow this message to be understandable and be able to be carried with them everywhere they go. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Now, we all know the story of Luke chapter 2, the Christmas story. I encourage us very often uh, uh, to to print that story out and wrap it in a gift. Print out uh, Luke chapter 2. Wrap it in a gift and put it under your Christmas tree. And during your family Christmas time, at some point, you'll come across a gift that says to the family from the Heavenly Father. And all gift unwrapping stops when that gift comes up under our tree. And we stop, and I, as the priest of the house, read the Christmas story. Because that truly is the greatest gift. That that in the time of Herod, they're sent out a decree that all should be taxed. And Mary and Joseph went to Bethlehem, the city of David, because they are the seed and the lineage of David. And while they were there, when they got there, there was no room for them in the end. But the time had come, and I'm paraphrasing, the time had come that the baby would be born. And there was no place for them, but they found a, a barn. They found a place in a stable. And Jesus was born and wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger. And during this time, there were shepherds out in the field watching their flock by night. And it suddenly appeared to them an angel. And they were sore afraid. I love that. Y'all know I do mostly New King James or I do New Living Translation. But I like that sore afraid. They wasn't just scared. They were sore afraid. They were, they were hurt. They were sore afraid. They were sore afraid. And, and they were sore afraid. And all of a sudden, the angel, the verse I read today, reassured them and said, don't be afraid. I'm going to tell you something. If you ever wonder if you've seen an angel, if the angel didn't tell you not to fear, you didn't see an angel. You find me a place in the Bible where an angel appeared to anybody and the first words out of his mouth wasn't fear not or don't be afraid. If you're seeing angels that don't make you scared, you might want to check where they come from. That's another sermon for another day. The angel reassured them and said, don't be afraid, for I'm about to give you good news that's going to bring great joy to the whole world. I'm about to give you something that's more than what you want. It's more than what your mama wants or your daddy wants. I'm about to give you the greatest gift you've ever gotten. And it's not only going to make you happy, it's going to make everybody in the world happy. What the angel was saying is 2,019 years from now, give or take a few, there's going to be people celebrating the gift that we're proclaiming today. We're about to give you news that people are going to talk about generation after generation, year after year, day after day, month after month. It's going to bring good tidings and great joy. Listen to this. He says, good tidings and great joy to all people. And verse 11 says, the Savior, my Bible has a dash. 
You know what a dash means? I don't know what it really means. I know what I think it means. It means you pause. The angel said, I want you to get, I want you to get this picture in your head. The angel says, I'm bringing you good tidings and great joy to all people. The Savior. No. The Messiah. Yeah, yeah, he's the Savior. Yeah, he's the Messiah. The Savior. Yes, the Messiah. The Lord has been born today in Bethlehem. See what the angel was saying. The angel. The angel of God was going, Oh, I'm bringing you good tidings and great joy to all people. The Savior. Yes, the Messiah. The Lord. See, the angel was preaching the way I preach. I can't get it into word. I know who he is. I know what you've got. But let me describe him. Church, the angel was not naming him because his name was Jesus. Because at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess of those in the heavens and those in the earth and those under the earth. The angel wasn't naming him. The angel was describing him. Oh, because unto you is born a baby, no, a, a Christ child, the King of Kings. But he describes him in a specific way. Says, unto you is born a Savior. Yes, the Messiah, the Lord. Oh, that's what we're going to preach about this morning. See, today, today we're going to take the first of these descriptions and we're going to talk about the Savior. We're going to talk about, there it is, don't go too fast. We're going to talk about the first thing the angel says is there is a Savior coming. A Savior unto you. Grain break joy is a Savior. Now, who is the Savior? According to dictionary.com, Savior is a noun that is defined this way. A person who saves someone or something, especially a country or a cause from danger, and who is regarded with the veneration of Religious, of a religious figure. Politicians of the era usually portray themselves as a nation's savior. A savior is somebody who saves us, who delivers us. When the angel first described who Jesus was, who this baby who didn't even have a room, who this baby who couldn't even be born in the luxury of a palace, who this baby who is wrapped in swaddling clothes and laying in a manger, this baby that nobody recognized the moment he was born, the angels burst open the skies and said, I'm giving you good news because the Savior is come. I need a Savior today. 
I need a Savior. Mm, it hearkens me back. Boy, there's your Christmas word, hearken. Where'd that come from? Dear Lord, I just, I just aged 50 years. It takes me back to Isaiah chapter 43, verses 10 and 11. Oh, you got to hear this. I love this. The Lord is prophesying through Isaiah. If, if I backed up a little bit, I, I would come back to the verse here that, that it says, um, let me go back. Verse 5 says, do not be afraid for I am with you. I will gather you and your children from the east and the west. I will say to the north and the south, bring my sons and daughters back to Israel from distant corners of the earth. As God is prophesying, he is telling them, look, I've come to deliver you. I've come to make a way for you. Your children that have went astray, I'm going to bring them back from the north, the south, the east, and the west. But that's not the shouting stuff. The shouting stuff starts happening in verse number 10 of, 40, of Isaiah 43. The Lord's still speaking through Isaiah. But you are my witnesses. You're going to see this. You are the witnesses. You're the ones about to see what God's going to do. But you are my witnesses, O Israel says the Lord. You are my servant. You have been chosen to know me. Believe me and understand that I alone am God. Verse 10, he says, listen, you're about to be witness to generation after generation. You have been chosen to see me, to know me, and to believe me. I have allowed you to have revelation in your heart and revelation in your mind. You are going to witness. You are going to, you have been chosen to know me, believe in me, and understand that I can do whatever you need. That's not what the Bible says. Don't you hate it when I do stuff like that? Makes you want to shout, yes, he can do whatever we need. You have been chosen. You have been chosen to know me, to believe me, and to understand that you don't have to worry about anything. I'll take care of everything. No. You have been chosen to believe in me and know me and understand that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, it says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me later. That's not what it says here. See, some of y'all need to go get Bibles and figure out when I read it right. Here's what he says. You have been chosen to know me, believe in me, and understand that I alone am God. You have been chosen to know me and believe in me and understand that I am God. You're not God. The pastor's not God. The board is not God. 
The bishop is not God. The general overseer is not God. My daddy is not God. My mama is not God. He alone, he has chosen me to know him and believe him and understand that he alone is God. When you begin to understand that he alone is God, you begin to understand that he's got this. You begin to understand that he's the one that carries the weight. He's the one that carries the price. But then we go to verse 11. I, yes, I am the Lord. And there is no other Savior. When the angels burst through the clouds of heaven that night, and they proclaimed that they, the shepherds should not be afraid, that they were going to bring them good news, they said the best news we can bring you is that the Savior is here. Oh, oh, it, I'm not talking about a political, politi- political figure. I'm not talking about somebody running for office. It's not a slogan that we can save our nation, make America. Oh, never mind. I might not want to go there. But I got news for you. I know where our president falls short because he's not my savior. I know where my church leadership falls short because they're not my savior. In a few months, I'm going to go to Indianapolis, Indiana for our general assembly, and we're going to elect a a, a leadership for our church, but nobody we elect is going to be the savior of the church of God because I, and only I, God said, am the Lord and the only savior. He's the only one that can save me from my problems. He's the only one that can save me from my sin. He's the only one that can save me from myself, from humanity humanity from the evils of the enemy he's the only one that the devil has to run and hide from because he is my savior well pastor we can shout about the fact that he is our savior but what in heaven's name does that have to do with a christmas hat we ain't got it yet well because we ain't there yet See, the act of what a Savior does is called salvation. Salvation is when somebody comes in and pays the price to deliver us from our trouble. 20, well, probably right at 30 years ago, I met a beautiful woman, gorgeous but she was forever trapped in loneliness. And I brought salvation to her. Because she's not alone anymore. She gets to spend all of her life with me. Everybody's laughing. I don't understand. (laughs) You you, you see, we, we can understand that somebody comes in and pays the price for us. Somebody buys us, somebody takes care of us, somebody gets us that job promotion, somebody does this, somebody opens a door for us to help us. But let's go back to who Jesus is. He's the Savior. 
And there is no none but me that is a Savior. I'm the only Savior, he says in Isaiah 43. What he says is, you were born into sin. But because I came, I brought with me salvation that delivers you from your sin. And now you can walk in the freedom that I've paid for, is what Jesus says. Paul understood what salvation was. A Jew of Jews. A Benjamite. Zealous as a Pharisee. Wanted to arrest and put in bondage Christians. Stood by and held the coat of those, the coats of those who stoned Stephen. But one day God met him on a road. And God changed his life. So that Paul would now say, I count all those other things that I've done as, as dross, as waste, as garbage, as manure. That I could follow the one who saved me by grace. And as Paul begins to teach the Ephesian church. He says, you got to understand there's going to be trouble. There's going to be trial. But you got to remember, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. But against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness in heavenly places. He says, therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes put on peace that comes from the good news, so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. But then listen to verse 17. Put on salvation as your helmet. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Put on the hat of salvation. Why do we put on a hat of salvation? Because the first place that you get saved is not in your heart. It's in your head. We've, we've got to believe it. We've got to, and we'll talk about it in a minute, we've got to change the way we think. We, 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 this has got to be something more than an emotional. <laughs> we, we, we got a bunch of Winnie the Pooh Christians. <laughs> Just get a little giggly. Got a rumbly in my tumbly. And we think we get a little rumbly in our tumbly and we got something that God wants. And God says, I need more than a feeling. I need you to understand. What did he say in Isaiah 43? You have been chosen to know me, to believe me, and understand that I alone am God. Understand. We're back in our head. I'm going to tell you, I, I spent part of the week this week hanging drywall. And there were things that we did that at first Furman would say, we're going to go, we're going to put the drywall this way. And I'd look at it going, what? Wouldn't we? 
I didn't understand until he showed me. And then I went, oh, now I understand. I understand. I began to see things and do things, not because just I had done them before. I began to understand why I did things. I, I, I began to think about what I was doing. Can I? Can I tell you what's wrong with the church of God? We spend too much time wanting to run the aisles and fall out on the floor and not enough time wanting to understand the word of God. We spend too much time wanting an outward emotional outburst of the power of the Holy Ghost, and I love that. I'll run, I'll jump with the best of you. But we've got to understand that the helmet of salvation goes over our head so that we can begin to control what we think. We begin to understand when the angel declared that the Savior had come, he had come to bring us protection for our head. You ever been unloading groceries in your car? I know some of you here are old enough to remember these days. You remember the days in the 70s when all the cars seemed to have a little swoop that come down in the back of the trunk? My mom and dad had a Pontiac Catalina, like a 1972. That thing was four football fields long. We couldn't have parked that car in this church. It wouldn't have fit. And on the back trunk, it'd come across above the taillights, and then it came down, and then it went back up. And, and I can't tell you how many times, even as a child, this happened to me, and I saw it happen to my dad more than it did me. Be putting something in that trunk. Come back out and catch the back of that trunk on the back of your head. I mean, because we're godly people, we just praised God and thanked Him. Oh, thank you, Jesus. That's close to what we said. We were unloading floor tile. Into the into the sanctuary, and I turned around and I caught. I don't remember if it was a piece of my my trunk or something. I caught something, and I mean, I about passed out. I was like, and I'm I'm like staggering around, going, <laughs> you know why? Because my head wasn't protected. I didn't have a helmet. And I'm gonna tell you something: you can't live for God without a helmet of salvation, because the enemy gonna come. And as my mama used to say, he going to box you in the noggin. And there ain't nothing worse than feeling that. It stings. You can't think right. I remember hearing stories of Troy Aikman, great quarterback for the greatest football team of all time, the Dallas Cowboys. We... We have to remember the past because the present ain't very good well. But I, 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 I heard the story of one day that even with a helmet on, he got hit in a football game. And he got a concussion. And they came out onto the field and they began to ask him questions. 
What down is it? Second down, 14 yards to go. Everything about the play he knew. They said, where is he? Where are you at? He should have said, I'm in Dallas, Texas, at Texas Stadium in Irving, Texas. He said, I'm at Henrietta High School, Henrietta, Oklahoma. He had all the play things right, but he didn't know where he was at. He is back at high school. It knocked his brain to a whole nother time. Mm. You ever had your mom or your daddy say, I'll knock you in the next week? Let me tell you something. The devil rocks around like a roaring out lion, sinking who he may devour. You want to know one of the number one tools that the devil uses? <laughs> you remember last year? You know. I know what you did last month. You remember when you didn't do what you were supposed to do? You remember when you made that mistake? You know what he's doing? He's hitting your head and knocking your head into another time. Into a time before you had surrendered to God or a time that you became weak. And Paul says, put on your head the helmet of salvation so that when the enemy comes and tries to knock you into other places, you can stand firm and know that my salvation is in the Lord. I don't have to worry about what happened back then or what's going to happen later on. All I know is God's got this. He's my king. He's my Lord, but he's my Savior. Oh, I'm doing good on time. We'll be done by one o'clock anyway. I never got the helmet of salvation. There it is. Okay. I already preached that. Let's go to the next. See how fast I went through that point? In another place, Paul begins to talk about the renewing of your mind. Romans chapter 2, I mean chapter 12, verse 2 says this. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Let me read that to you in the New King James Version. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Paul says, you need to understand what the Savior does for your head. He makes you a new creation. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. To the Romans, he says, listen, don't act like everybody else. I wish, I wish that I could get a platform to preach to all the Christians of America. Because I think the one thing that I would tell them is quit trying to act like everybody else. When, when, when I speak to young ministers, one of the things that I tell them is that if you refuse to be yourself, you rob the world of what God intended you to do. 
I wasted 10 years of my ministry trying to be other people. Now, I am what I am. I am what I am. Man, I'm on a cartoon kick today. Have y'all noticed that? Papa, I am what I am, and that's all that I am. I'll tell you something. We've got to renew our mind. We've got to let God change the way we think. I want to reach the world. But I'm not going to reach the world by being like the world. I'm going to reach the world by showing the world what God can do. Y'all know me. I'm wearing a Santa Claus hat to preach. Lights are flashing. I'm not exactly the most traditional person you've ever met. (laughs) I'm not exactly. I I don't wear a tie until two Sundays from now. I'm not exactly the old school church picture that most people get in their mind. The greatest example, the greatest thing I ever hear is, you're a pastor? I like that. I like that. But let me tell you something. While I may wear Santa Claus hats and I may bring motorcycles in the church and I may do all kinds of weird things, I finally learned many years ago that I got to quit thinking the way the world thinks and I got to think the way God thinks. And what God tells me is what's going to reach the world. So my outreach, why it may look strange to the pharisaical church. Oh, did I say pharisaical church? Okay, that's what I meant. To the church that acts like a bunch of Pharisees and hypocrites. Instead, I'm going to preach the way Jesus preached. Jesus told stories. He used visuals. He used examples. And I'm going to do that. But I've got to remember that I can't look so much like the world that they can't see God in me. Quit acting like the world and let God transform your mind. Let him renew your mind into something new so you begin to understand. All of a sudden, the Savior begins to take my mind that was born in sin and disgrace and denial. He begins to take that mind and he makes it new. Why? So that I can think like Christ. No. That's not what it says. That's what it says. Then you will learn how to know God's will for you which is good and pleasing and perfect. You quit having to wonder if this is what God wants me to do. You know it because the Savior has saved your brain. Church, I've got good news that will bring glad tidings to all people. The Savior has been born. We don't have to wait on him. He's already here. 
The Savior has already come that's going to make a way where there was no way. The Savior that's going to pay a price. The Savior that's going to say, if my people, the Savior who's going to say, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The Savior that is going to say, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man gets to the Father but by me. He is the one who gets me out of my trouble. He is the one who delivered me. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the seas heard my despairing cry, and from the waters lifted me. Now safe am I. The Savior has been born. Somebody shout the victory. Savior changes everything. He fixes everything. He changes the way we think. Because he saves us, not just from the enemy, not just from the world, but from ourselves. We've got to trust the Savior. We've got to trust the Savior. Why don't everybody bow your head and close your eyes? You're here today and you say, Pastor Tommy, I need a Savior. I need a helmet. I need a new way of thinking. Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor Tommy, I, I need to give my heart to God. I need to submit myself. I need this, the Savior's work of salvation needs to become real in my life. I need to be saved from sin. That's you this morning. I want you to lift your hand up. Right up, right back down. Just a moment. There may be some of you here today say, I need a, I need a helmet. I've, I believe that God has changed my life. But the devil keeps pushing me around. He keeps knocking me into last week and last month and last year. I, I, I don't seem to be able to get past the unforgiveness. I don't be, seem to be able to get past the hurt. I don't seem to be able to get past the pain of things that happened in, in the past. And I need God to come down and protect my mind. I need a helmet of salvation. That's you. I want you to lift your hand. I need a helmet. Some of you here today say, I just need a new way of thinking. I, I, I need my mind needs to be renewed. I, 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 I feel like I, I don't see right. I don't see clearly. I don't know what God's will is. I don't know what the situation is. I need God to show me what he wants. I need him to renew my mind. That's what the Savior does. I want you to lift your hand. I need to renew your mind. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do you raise your hand for any of those areas or if you didn't raise your hand but you know you should have I'm going to pray a prayer and I'm going to ask you to come find a place in this altar because today we're going to ask for the Savior come down and save us now next week we're going to talk about the Messiah 
God who walks with us. But today, God wants to save you. He wants to give you a helmet. He wants to change the way you think. If you raised your hand or you should have, I want you to come to this altar as I pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you and I praise you for your power, for your anointing, for your peace, your mercy, and your grace. And Lord, I ask that you would just send your victory, send your power, and send your goodness. Lord, I want you to open up the windows of heaven into people's lives. Lord, save them. Put a helmet on their head. Protect them. Lord, change the way they think. Lord, change their mindset. In Jesus' name right now. More people raise their hands in this altar. And there's more people that need to be in this altar than raise their hand. I want you to come and find a place to pray right now.